Welcome to the Passel Podcast CMO Series. Hello, folks, and welcome to another edition of the Passel CMO Series podcast. Now, the path to CMO or communications leader is often indirect and, and certainly unconventional. And in many cases, the most successful marketing leaders have really wide ranging experience across industries, roles, and geographies. Today, we're really lucky to welcome someone with a truly unique background who's brought his communication and agency experience to his role in legal. Um, Constantine Shishkin, Chief Communications Officer at Goodwin Property. Thank you very much for joining us and welcome to the Passel CMO Series podcast. Thanks, Eugene. Thanks for having me. Thanks to Passel and thanks to all of you listeners. Uh, I hope I don't bore people too much today. <laughs> I don't think we're at any risk of that. Now, can you tell us about your career journey to where you are now in your role as Chief Communications Officer at Goodwin? How did you get there? Sure, it's a great question, Eugene. So, you know, my my path, I guess, into this legal marketing world is a little bit unconventional, um, especially into the sort of the leadership of the marketing communications function. Um, my background, if you sort of go all the way back, um, my graduate degree is in journalism. And I worked for, for a hot second as a journalist, as a financial mm-hmm. journalist. Uh, and then I sort of scrapped that for a kind, kind of a completely different career path. And I went and I worked in-house at an agency. So I worked for a very small um, PR firm at first that did primarily comms for, you know, law firms, which is how I got into this racket, um, financial services companies, uh, professional services companies. Then I worked for a while at a much bigger global agency. And there I did corporate communications and crisis Mm -hmm. communications, again, for the same sort of subset of a B2B clients, primarily in financial professional services spaces. Uh, then I worked corporate for, again, for like a hot second um, at a bank at a, and at a major um, life insurance company. And at the time, what happened was that Goodwin um, was actually looking for a director of communications. And Goodwin had been my client when I was at the agency for, mm-hmm. you know, for about three years, I had worked on the business. So they were looking for a new director of communications and, um, and they gave me a call and I came in and I talked to folks and I already knew the firm pretty well. And that was um, eight years ago. And here we are now taping this podcast. <laughs> I was a, a very good that you took the, you took the meeting, but yeah, it sounded like the right fit. So it's actually, you know, it's actually, it's actually, it's actually kind of a, it's actually like, this is an aside and it's a really funny story, but the recruiter was reaching out to me and um, the recruiter kept sending me emails and they kept going into my spam folder. And yeah. I, at the time, I did not have the rigor to keep checking my spam. Like, it never occurred to me that I should do that. And I think I sort of turned folks off initially because I, you know, it turns out I missed like 10 recruiter messages. Uh, so, so it was almost not meant to be uh, courtesy of Gmail. So you had to start off and get rid of the sort of slow response, unreliable image that you were maybe cultivating. <laughs> exactly. Now I always check my spam folder. Okay, well, that's a lesson number one for all of our listeners. Check your spam folder. Um, look, you've got quite a, a unique background. You've got really unique experience in your communications, the agency side of things. You've brought to that, you've obviously brought that, that to this role. How has that influenced your work at Goodwin, how you work with the team, the Mark Holmes team, and how does that influence you day to day? Yeah, you know, so um, it's really interesting. I think being in this role and and coming from um, an agency background uh, has been super, super valuable. And I'll tell you why. When you work at an agency, you have, um, you have a bunch of different clients, right? I mean, 
small clients, big clients um, across different industries. And every client, uh, every client is just as important. It doesn't matter how much, you know, how much a retainer is, how much budget you have, just every client gets the same level of treatment, um, at least in my book. Um, And so when you work corporate, you have sort of a finite set of clients. Ultimately, you have your CEO, maybe you have your board and and a couple Mm -hmm. of other key stakeholders. Um, In a partnership, right? Um, at a firm like Goodwin, we have hundreds of partners, right? And um, we have hundreds of partners practicing in areas that are um, in some ways yeah. distinct from each other. So, you know, the the technology practice in Northern California may be very different from uh, private investment funds practice in London. Um, and just as well, though, every client and every practice and every industry within the firm gets the same treatment. Um, and everybody is our client. So having that agency mindset has been, at least to me, tremendously helpful in this mm-hmm. role. And I've, I've said this to people before, but I find that folks who um, who enjoy the agency world actually tend to do really well in law firms. Uh, present company potentially excluded, you know, but I'm just making that as a general observation. Well, it's unique and it's also... It, it's unique enough because you have a unique skill set and you get a fresh way of thinking but it's also unique in terms of the, the, the law firm partnership model is, is is in itself very individual. And it's that attentiveness to the different needs and and uh, bespoke nature of the work in different practices, different industries. It seems to come pretty naturally to you. For sure. And, you know, the, the, the other thing I would mention about, about sort of what the observation you just made um, when you work at an agency, a big thing, uh, a big thing, I think a big reason why clients hire you, right, is because you're able to make those connections and you're able to make a client, um, you're able to bring to a client in a particular industry, maybe thinking from another industry, right? Um, well, it's mm-hmm. actually just as applicable in a law firm, right? For the reasons I just talked about a second ago, uh, because the businesses are so different, yet at the same time, and we'll probably get into talking about this, what the strategy of the firm is, but um, what's great about this firm is the strategy is very clear. And a part of the strategy is capitalizing on what we call convergence um, of the different industries that we focus mm-hmm. on with each other and with technology. So that also means bringing ideas from particular business into another business. Um, and again, just having that mindset from the agency has been very helpful um, to be able to do that effectively. It's really interesting you mentioned about strategy as it's something I'd really like to get into because when, when I first met with you, Constantine, you said, you know, culture is huge for us and the way that informs our strategy. Can you tell us a bit more about that, not just in your team, but actually more broadly at Goodwin? For sure. I mean, look, I got to tell you, that's one of my, it's two of my favorite things about this firm is the strategy and the culture. And we can talk about this more, but the two are actually quite linked uh, and one does not mm-hmm. work without the other and vice versa. Um, so let's start with the strategy. The strategy is actually quite simple and, you know, all great things I think are pretty simple uh, if you're able to articulate them um, in very simple terms. But our strategy is to build relationships with clients, right? Like that is foundational to what we do. We want to build relationships with our clients. And we do this by being real experts in five key industries where we serve our clients. And those industries are in no particular order, life sciences, technology, private equity, real estate, and financial services. 
and also what mm -hmm. I mentioned a second ago, convergence, where all of these industries converge with each other. We can talk a little bit more about that. So for those five industries, we do three things. We do um, litigation and dispute resolution. We do regulatory compliance and advisory work, and we do transactions. So building relationships with clients in five industries and where they converge by doing three different things. That's our strategy firm-wide. It's incredibly straightforward. And I think a lot of other firms, and, and, and actually, as you said, if it's simple and it's effective and everyone can articulate it, it makes it much easier to achieve. One other thing that you said to me before is, going back to the culture more than the strategy you said mm -hmm. working within my team is like working within a startup within an established business what did you mean by that how is your approach different and, and can you give us a couple of more concrete examples for sure so you know like a broader point and i'm not sure if you have show notes for this podcast and if you do you can probably drop it in there we have what we call um core principles and there are 10 of them and any of you listeners who might be interested can go to goodwinlaw.com slash core principles and check them out. Those are the 10 core principles that underpin our culture, right? And if you look at those core principles and you look at how they apply in our strategy, you will see, as I mentioned before, that they're very much linked. I'm not going to go through all 10 because I think everybody is just going to tune out mm -hmm. and it's going to take way too long, but I'll give you a couple of examples. <laughs> and I think that those relate to your question. So one of the core principles is... Um, is being comfortable with the uncomfortable. What does this mean? It means not being afraid to take risks and try new things, right? For us as marketers and communicators, that's critical, right? Because if we just keep trying mm -hmm. and doing the same thing over and over and over again, or if we're just trying to copy another farm, another great farm, anything that we see, we're not really creating anything new, right? Mm -hmm. By not taking risks, we're not, creating anything that hasn't really been done before. And we, you know, the firm itself, I think very much views itself, um, even though it's a very well established, it's one of the most successful um, law firms in the world, but we still view ourselves as a challenger. We're very entrepreneurial. That applies across the entire firm, you know? Um, so we're always thinking about what's next. And we take the same approach within marketing and communications. We're constantly experimenting. We're constantly innovating. We're constantly trying to do new things. Yeah. And, um, and I think people find that if you gravitate towards that, again, that's a little bit of that agency mindset. Um, if you gravitate towards that, then you can be really successful here and you can really thrive within marketing and communications. And you can make a real difference with what you're doing. I actually, just you saying that made me think, do you think that that habit and culture within your team of pushing the envelope, you know, trying to really get new ideas, is that is that a key component of the agency lifestyle where you need to be coming up with fresh ideas for the pitches and keep clients really engaged and show that you're actively thinking about them? Do you think that's a direct habit from your from your background? For sure, but it doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be an agency background necessarily. One, one of the things that I find really um, stimulating and, and sort of energizing about our, our department and our team is that we have people from all sorts of walks of life, right? We have people who have been um, art directors at tech companies. 
we have people in our multimedia department who used to work on documentaries of the you know producers in television for for yeah. decades uh we have a person who you know who used to be a writer for the food network like and then we have people who come from more traditional sort of law firm backgrounds um that's critical to us being able to sort of disrupt and come up with something new I find, and I've shared this hypothesis with uh, with a couple of people before, uh, but I think what 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 tends to happen, and this tends to happen not just within legal, this happens within financial services and other industries. Uh, at a certain point, once people get locked into an industry, you become an expert in legal marketing communications, for example. Um, and then let's say you're looking for a new job, you're much more likely to go or be hired by another law firm. And I think what that leads to is that if that's the only thing that's happening and we don't have sort of net new talent coming in from other industries into the into our industry, we keep recycling old ideas over and over again. Now, mm-hmm. like I'm not saying that there is no value to having people who are really experienced legal marketers within marketing communications team at law firms. It's foundational, in fact, right? But it cannot be at the expense of not having perspectives from any other industries right and that's by the way like that's that's another one of our core principles uh perhaps a slightly different interpretation uh but we're diverse um inclusive and equitable right and inclusivity in this context i think Mm -hmm. means that we're we're including points of view from people who uh who might not have necessarily worked at a law firm before you know i'll tell you like when when goodwin hired me i had experience working with law firms i had never worked in house at a law firm and this firm hired me as director of communications that was a pretty bold move for the firm i think so you're basically constantly you're a living embodiment of the culture and the openness to new ideas which as you said is immensely powerful in terms of generating fresh ideas different perspectives and actually an innovative approach across the firm because you get you know different perspectives different people different backgrounds and the, the results speak for themselves. Sure. I mean, I find that, you know, like I find that to be most energizing on any given day when I wake up and I go to work, whether it's um, whether it's in my home office here in, in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, or in our New York office in the New York Times building in Midtown Manhattan. That's the most energizing thing to me is just seeing people, people on our team. Uh, and by the way, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll make a plug for another core principle that we have that everybody is a leader, everyone's a leader. So leadership is not about one person, uh, one, you know, person with a fancy title, for example, trying to do stuff. Everybody can bring fresh new ideas to the table. And that's how we operate as a department. So on any given day, when I come into work, whether virtually or in person and see a member of the team, whether in creative or communications or events or, or editorial or technology or any of the other verticals we have coming up with a way to do something in a way that's fresh and new, that's when I know we have a good day. Yeah. Well, Constantine, you're, you're answering my questions before I, I asked them, which is, is quite a talent of yours. <laughs> telepathy ask... is not one of my is not one of my core skills, but you know, <laughs> you have to be telepathic to join the, the Goodwin uh, team. Um, I was going to ask more about your approach to recruitment and building marketing teams, but you really just you brought it to life there. And actually, what's really coming to the fore here is you're passionate about growing and developing your team. 
And we're talking about a lot of the positive stuff, but I think a lot of our listeners are really interested in what are the challenges to recruit this really diverse, inclusive, you know, edgy team, people who are really going to push the envelope. What are the challenges, maybe even a couple of failures or setbacks, and, and how did you overcome those? Yeah, look, I mean, that's a really, it's a very, I think that's a very nuanced and involved question. We could probably spend a whole separate podcast on that. But, you know, a couple of observations from me, I think. So, so first of all, if you want to build an A-plus team, that's hard to do, right? Because for what we do as marketers and communicators, you know, we're not uh, brain surgeons or, you know, any other sort of industry where you have to have a very particular skill set and then that's the only industry you're in um anybody we have on the team can go work and do this pretty much like Mm -hmm. at any company within any industry anywhere they want in the world so the pool of uh potential employers and opportunities that we're competing with is huge if you overlay on that that we're trying to really hire the best people and the brightest people it's challenging Mm -hmm. right so how do we make that? How do we make that? So for us, as I think, is uh, if you just put the, like the employer hat on for marketing and communications, like we have to make it worth people's whiles, and we have to communicate to them that within legal, which I think for marketing and communications has a you know a reputation for being sort of very traditional and not necessarily um, as as you put it edgy, that mm. it actually is one of the most interesting industries within B two B. Uh, to make a difference. And and if you'll indulge me for a second, like if you look at, um, if you look at the big four, the big four accounting firms, there are four yeah. of them. That industry is pretty set. If you look at banking and let's put like FinTech aside and all of the disruption mm-hmm. that's happening there, but the big banks, that industry is pretty set. If you look at legal, right? American lawyer has a list of a hundred biggest law firms. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're all great firms, right? They all have really, really smart people. So the difference you can make with marketing and communications at a law firm, mm-hmm. I think I think it can be much more impactful and the impact can be much bigger than it would be in any of those other financial professional services industries. Now, you know, once you attract people and you sell it to them, I think the other great selling point for us, um, and this goes to this to the to the core principle of being comfortable with the uncomfortable, but you know, um, we're very entrepreneurial and, um, and things, you know, things, sometimes you come and you try to do something and that works out and you take risks, but it doesn't always work out. And we're totally okay with that. Like we are okay with trying something new and it's not working out. And I think Mm -hmm. to going back to your original question, the, the biggest challenge there is just being comfortable with the fact that you're not going to get it perfect uh, 10 out of 10 times. And the final thing I'll mention to you about that is you have to overlay that the organization changes and the needs change. Look, when I joined eight years ago, this was like a $600 million business. You know, we are now a two and a quarter billion dollar firm, right? So uh, that that is much more, uh, much more global, you know, yeah. business penetration is much deeper. And so the needs for the firm for what we're trying to do from the marketing communications standpoint uh, have changed a lot. And yeah. this is like eight years later. And so eight years from now, uh, they're going to change again. And so you have to be able to change your marketing communications department and be nimble enough um, to be able to mold uh, without losing that, 
you know, that rigor and that sort of zest for trying to make a difference. A hundred percent. I think in summary, you could almost sum up a lot of what you're trying to say is if you do the same things, you're going to get the same results. And what you're really trying to do and what Goodwin is pushing is, as you say, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. One thing I was just thinking, as you said, that is you must have a lot of backing and the confidence of the, the leadership team across Goodwin both on the professional lawyer side and on the support side, that everyone must be aligned to, to make this a successful, both marketing team, but also your recruitment strategy as well. 100%. I mean, without that, that is, that is absolutely foundational. I'm glad you asked this question because without that support, we couldn't do any of this, right? So we have an awesome chief operating officer, Mike Kaplan, right? Who, uh, um, who is my immediate boss, right? And like Mike interviewed me for this role again, eight years ago, I keep going back to where it all started, yeah. but uh, I was a very sort of uh, non-traditional candidate for this kind of a role. Uh, and the managing partner and the chairman at the time interviewed me and they, so they gave me a chance. And since then, I will tell you when we bring ideas to, whether it's to our COO, to the full management committee or executive committee, I really, and I'm not just saying it, but I really cannot think of a time when um, senior leadership of the firm or our firm management said, um, you know, that's not us or mm, sounds too risky. Don't wow. do it. Don't try it. Like we always, yeah. we always have a license to try and we have a license to, uh, and if you have a license to try, you have a license to succeed, but in equal measure, you have a license to fail. So um, I think our leadership is very bold with allowing us to experiment and innovate. Um, and without that, marketing communications is just, uh, you know, it's just a tactical function. And we strive yeah. to be more than that to make a difference. 100%. My, uh, my colleague Ali recently did a podcast with Foley and Lardner and with their managing partner and their CMO and, and the managing partner, uh, Darjeet, um, basically said as much. He said, I brought on Karee, CMO, to do a job and I trust her and I entrust her with what we're, we're, we're going to take the business. And it was really profound because it's that trust and that backing and that partnership between the pair of them, which helps them, you know, push the envelope a bit. Um, and it's, think, you know, yeah, that's, I think that's a really great point. I will just mention to this, cause this makes me think about this too, like sort of the overarching point uh, when Mike Kaplan, our COO joined the firm, he really formalized what we call the business of law, right? And basically what that is, is let's have the business professionals, right? Like all of us, whether we're in marketing or IT or finance or any other um, professional services function, let us be the experts at running operations in the business of law and our respective functions. Let's let our lawyers do what they do best, which is provide A++ service to our clients and be real experts in those industries, right? But we have a role to play and I think through that leadership that we had from, from our COO, the whole Go team, we call it the global, we call ourselves, by the way, the global operations team. We don't call ourselves, you know, professional yeah. staff or non-lawyers. Like we do not Brilliant. use these words. And that's very, that's very intentional yeah. because our whole global operations team, a Go team for short, really feels empowered to be experts and to make decisions, you know, in their particular areas of expertise so that together we can drive results for, for our clients and for our mm -hmm. firm. It also sounds like a superhero team, which I quite like the go team. It's awesome. <laughs> um, 
Look, Constantine, I'm going to be honest, there's going to be quite a few people who are going to be a bit um, dumbstruck by some of the things you just said and the confidence and the, the backing that you have. A bit of an annoying question to sort of tie things together, but if you had to give one piece of advice to your peers in, in other professional yeah. services firms, not just law, marketing, communications professionals, how would you sort of encourage them and, and what steps would you say to take to, to take this more innovative approach, which for you is... It feels like second nature. Look, I mean, it's a great question. I would say if you want it, if you want it in sort of two words, I would say just be bold, you know, but if you mm. want to unpack that a little bit, I don't mean to make it sound like everything is just, you know, a cakewalk and you can just do sort of whatever you want. You have to put, you know, some rigor behind your ideas. You have to sell your ideas, right? You have to really try. If you, but to really be able to sell something, you have to really believe in it. And if you don't believe in it, you're not going to be able to sell it. So when you are coming up with your marketing communication strategies, um, you know, you have to spend the time and do the work to really articulate them and make them yeah. compelling. You have to pitch again, that comes back to the beginning of our, of our conversation. And perhaps that's a little bit of the agency training in me, but that's the way mm -hmm. I was trained and brought up. I mean, you have something that you think is cool that's not enough. You have to sell it. You have to really pitch it. And so you have to do that work. I really believe that um, there is no management team out there that is not going to embrace trying to do something bold if they can clearly see the value, right, um, to the clients mm -hmm. and to the firm. So it's our job as marketers, communicators, in equal measure, if we want to be able to do some of these cool things that we're so fortunate to be able to do, you have to sell them and you have to make it really clear why something is, yeah. why you think something is a good idea. We could probably go on for an awful long time here, Constantine, but I want to wrap up here and just first of all say thank you. We, we started off trying to talk about, um, you know, growing an innovative legal marketing team and a bit of recruitment and we've covered everything from culture to strategy and, and, and anything in between. So I want to say thank you for that. Um, for that. It's been absolutely fabulous. But I'm not done with you just yet. And if you've got another couple of minutes, <laughs> um, I'd like to do uh, just a wee quick fire round, which is just a little bit more about you and, and less about uh, less about work, if that's okay. Sure, that sounds great. Let's do it. Brilliant. So first question, what is your favorite business and non-business book? That's a great question. You know, I think that's, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to answer your question, but I'm going to give like a little disclaimer that that's sort of changing all the time. I find it really hard to say, <laughs> here's, here's my favorite thing. I'm going to tell you what I read recently that mm -hmm. I really enjoyed. Um, so on the business book front, um, just a few months ago, I read this book called The Power Law by this guy, Sebastian Malaby. Um, who studies mm -hmm. the venture capital industry. And the book is really, it's really fascinating. The book basically covers, you know, venture capital, when it started, who the main players are and where it is today. And it's really the history of the industry. Um, venture capital is, you know, is, is a huge focus for us, for, for Goodwin, uh, within our technology, private equity practices. But uh, the book itself was just a fascinating read. And I highly recommend it to anyone who is, who is interested in VC or who is just mm -hmm. interested in sort of progression of a business like that. Um, on the non-business side, you know, during the pandemic years, as everyone else, I was for the most part, you know, inside. And most of the time I was spending in my apartment at the time on the Upper West Side in Manhattan. Um, and so I gotten really into travel literature, you know, mm -hmm. and the guy I've been really, 
sort of dig in, and I'm still really enjoying him, is Paul Thoreau, um, who is a huge travel writer and has been writing for, for decades. He has a bunch of books out, uh, basically about taking journeys to different destinations. I think his latest book was called, is called On the Plane of Snakes. Uh, it's his journey across or around uh, and across the U.S.-Mexico border. Uh, but he has a bunch of other books that are just awesome. The latest one I read, uh, which is from a long time ago, is called The Old Patagonian Express. And in that mm-hmm. book, he gets on the train in Boston, and then uh, he uh, takes the train or a series of trains all the way down to Patagonia um, in South America. So a really fun read. Not bad. I think I might do that next time I go to Boston. Um, <laughs> it's uh, tempting, right? <laughs> very, very. I'll, I'll ask. I'll ask the founders something good. Get some time. <laughs> um, Constantine, what was your first job? So, so funny. You should ask me about books first because my first job was actually selling books in a college bookstore. Wow, I wasn't expecting that. That's always a, <laughs> always my uh, my favorite question to ask. And um, we touched on it a fair bit above, but maybe if there was one key thing, what makes you happy at work? Yeah, I think you're right. I think we covered it, right? What makes me happy at work is, um, if I had to say one thing, I would say it's coming in, right, and uh, seeing the team do great work and be really happy doing it. Mm-hmm. And that's probably as succinct as I'm going to be able to, to be on that point. Uh-huh. I agree with that. It's a, it's a nice feeling when you're all pulling in the same direction. Constantin, what are you listening to at the moment? Podcasts, music, audiobook, anything like that? So um, I recently discovered or somebody told me that with a library card, you can actually borrow audiobooks from the New York Public Library. And I think you can actually do it anywhere you are around the country if you're in the States. Okay. So I've taken advantage of that recently. And the latest thing that I heard um, was a book by uh, a Polish science fiction writer, Stanislav Lem, called Solaris. Many will probably know it from uh, the movies. That, there are a couple of movies actually made one by Tarkovsky, and then there's sort of a newer version with George Clooney. So that's the latest audiobook I heard. In terms of like music, um, when I'm working from home, I have this beautiful little like FM radio, which I know sounds very old school of me that my wife gave to me for Christmas. And I usually <laughs> listen to WQXR, which is New York's amazing um, classical music station. I usually have that on all day. Nice. Very cultured, man. Um, I'm the same as you. I, I don't mind listening to the radio. I would try and listen to uh, back in the UK. We had uh, Radio Six, which is like slightly interesting. Radio Six is great. I've, I've, you know what I like about you know what I like about this always connected world where you have to choose your content uh, and streaming services all the time. The best thing about radio still is that you don't have to make any of these choices. Uh, you just put it on, and then that's it. That's what you got. You know, sometimes that's nice. Yeah, and you'll always get a couple of gems in there that you weren't expecting or you never heard of. It's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's quite nice. Um, sure. And last question: favorite place to visit and why? You know, I would say it's less about a place for me, and it's maybe more about the people that I'm with. So I would say anytime I get a chance to be, um, uh, you know, travel with my wife, be with my parents, see my brother, see my niece and my nephew. Uh, see my aunts, see my mm-hmm. cousins, any sort of a formation like that, the geography and the place where we are almost doesn't matter to me. As long as we're together, you yeah. know, I'm happy. I would agree with that. Yeah. I'll definitely when you move away from home, wherever home is, it doesn't really matter. If you can see your folks, it's generally 
just generally not too bad. Sure, that's what it's all about. Wicked. Constant, thank you very much um, for sticking with it. We had a couple of technical difficulties <laughs> along the way. Thank you for your patience. And most of all, thank you for your time. This has been an absolute whopper of an episode of the Passel CMO Series podcast. Thank you again. Thanks so much, Eugene. It's been my pleasure.